Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. gets me pumped man yeah. that whole thing I, I love it i love our new intro song thank it's you great. thank you absolutely fantastic well what's up luke it's been a couple of weeks since last we met it has man i am uh feeling great today I'm just making the best of it doing it right man <laughs> doing it right yeah uh, i'm gonna tell something we're gonna address here but uh first i want to talk about uh 
your little weekend that you just had. You said you had like a good night last night. You yeah, know, you can get their get their Luke fix, get their <laughs> Luke update for the for the week. And time to get offended. <laughs> yeah, no. time to get offended. <laughs> no man. Uh, so I, I went to this deep woods party last night, and uh, it it was. Uh, there was DJs set up playing just like all night long, you know, all day long, all night long. It's way off in the woods. You had to take this dark trail to get there. And, um, uh, everybody was on drugs, (laughs) 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 hallucinogenics, you know, shrooms, smoking weed, you know, Molly ecstasy, just whatever they could get their hands on. Good time, man. It it was an extremely good time, man. It was, it was wicked. Awesome. Uh, you know, of course, I, I may or may not have partaked in in that a little uh-huh, bit, uh-huh. and so you know, I I was uh, actually thinking about uh, who was our guest that was talking about all that crazy stuff. What was his name one more time? Oh, we're yeah. talking about Thad McCracken. Yeah, Thad, Thad McCracken. I was yeah. I was channeling <laughs> Thad McCracken a little bit last night, man. <laughs> yeah, probably, I don't I don't know if you can get anywhere close to where Thad McCracken is. Yeah, we need to get him back on, man. He was like one of the best. Uh, yeah, he's probably he's, one of the best shows. That he's we've fun had. to listen to, but oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, man, I, I just, uh, you know, seeing seeing things, seeing fractals and patterns and feeling weird, feeling like bodies light and stuff like that, man, and just things are distorted. This is stretching. when you may or may not have partaken. Yeah, yeah, right, it was probably saying? just like a, an effect of just the woods and me just yeah, being, right, right, you know, right. imagination takes over in the darkness, you know, nothing to do with any of that. I don't touch the stuff. <laughs> I don't condone it either. <laughs> you were out there witnessing, right? <laughs> exactly. I, I kind of... Passing out chick tracks. Yeah. Everyone. Right. And I was yeah. just kind of feeling the, the high off of everybody else. I didn't even have to be. They were just like rubbing off on me. <laughs> Sounds like a good time, man. It Sounds was. Like it, it was wicked awesome. I, I recommend everybody. Uh, wicked awesome, bro. Going, going to a party like that. You need to every once in a while, man. You need to you cut loose and and uh, just do whatever someone hands you. Just go for it. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's <laughs> interested, they should just like come to Nashville and hang out with Luke. Hang yeah. out in, in the woods at the at the EDM parties. Yeah, hit, hit me up, man. I'm, what's the, I'll what's set the, it up. Was anybody spinning, uh, was it spinning poi or whatever? Yes, there was fire poi. There was uh, regular poi out there. There was a lot of hula girls with hula hoops, man. These things cost like $200, and they have all uh, thousands of LED patterns in them and everything. Right, and right. Everybody uh, is, you know... That, that's on something is sitting there looking at the hoops and seeing tracers and Whoa. they're making patterns. I mean, technology's crazy now, dude. Did you did you get abducted? But like, did you have like any ayahuasca experience like experiences I, I, with reptilians d- or ju- uh, dude, just or lizard people or I, I could I could not imagine what I like just from just eating just you know a shroom and a half, man. I, Which I, you I, may or may not have partaken, yeah, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I I can't imagine what ayahuasca would be like. I I don't know if I could handle that. No, that's scary. <laughs> Jeez. Well, how about yourself, Rob? How you been? I'm good. Uh, busy. No fun parties to talk about. No fun sadly. parties or may or may <laughs> so, not have no, right. or anything like I would have gave you an invite, man, if we had more car space. We were kind of crammed in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand you had to assist somebody back to a tent. Yeah, he <laughs> at the end of the you, night. I thought I was in rough shape. He couldn't even he he was like jello. <laughs> <laughs> 
I had to literally carry him like a half mile back to the tent. Maybe he was communing with the mantid creatures. Maybe they were giving him some uh, some advice or something. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, I'm being that guy right now. I'm being that guy right now, aren't I? And I was like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps maybe he saw the Flatwoods monster. That would have been possible. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, you... <laughs> Well, you're about to find out. Because as we all know, this last week, recording this on September 13th, this last week there was a momentous um, anniversary yet again, and and no, I'm not talking about 9/11, although that was pretty that was momentous. This was on Saturday, September 12th, was the uh, anniversary from 1952. And how many years is that? I'm horrible at math. I think it's what 63. 63 yeah, 63 years ago, the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> So this is interesting, Rob. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, I've I've, I've heard the Luke's story of it. Looks like on the cryptid stuff. You more on the cryptid. Yeah, weird this, this one's no one where there's there's a whole bunch of witnesses and they swear up and down at what they saw that they saw, you right. know. And it's such a ridiculous sounding monster that it's a great story. Well, right, like, like, just like just like Mothman, which happened in 1967. This happened in 1952 in West Virginia. So it makes you really wonder, like, what's up with West Virginia? But uh, I'll read this. This is from a book I've actually read before on the show a couple, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, which is about uh, Jerome Clark's Unexplained. Like I've said before, I've had this book since I was like in eighth grade, so it's kind of beat up. But uh, <laughs> on September 12, 1952, three boys in the tiny West Virginia town of Flatwoods, population 300, <laughs> saw a slow-moving reddish sphere sail around a hill, hover briefly, and drop behind the crest of another hill. From the other side, a bright glow shone as if from a landed object. On their way to investigate, the boys were joined by beautician Kathleen May, her two young sons, their friend Tommy Heyer, 17-year-old Eugene Lemon, and Lemon's dog. The dog ran ahead of the group and was briefly out of sight. Suddenly, it was heard barking furiously, and moments later, seen fleeing with its tail tucked between its legs. You give me some dog sound effects here, Luke. <laughs> a foul-smelling mist covered the ground and caused the searchers' eyes to water. The two leading the group, Lemon and Neil Nunley, who got to the top first, looked down and observed a big ball of fire 50 feet to their right. Another of the witnesses reported it was the size of a house. To the group's left, on the hilltop, and just under the branch of an oak tree, were two small lights. As Mrs. May, at Mrs. May's suggestion... Lemon turned his flashlight on them. To everyone's considerable astonishment, the beam highlighted a grotesque-looking creature with a head shaped like the ace of spades, as several of the observers independently described it. Inside the head was a circular window, dark except for the two lights from which pale blue beams extended straight ahead. In their short observation of the creature, the group saw nothing that looked like arms or legs. The creature, which appeared to be over six feet tall, moved towards the witnesses, it seemed to be gliding rather than walking. Seconds later, it changed direction, turning towards the glowing ball down the hill. All this allegedly took place in a matter of seconds, during which Lemon fainted. The others dragged him away as they ran from the scene. When interviewed half an hour later by Ailey Stewart Jr. of the Braxton Democrat, most of the witnesses were, able, were barely able to speak. Some sought first aid. Stewart thought there was no question they had seen something that badly frightened them. Soon afterwards, he was able to get Lemon to accompany him to the hillside, where Stewart noticed an unusual odor in the grass that irritated his nose and throat. Returning to the site alone at 7 o'clock the following morning, he found skid marks going down the hill toward an area of matted grass, indicating the recent presence of a large object. 
the encounter with what the press would quickly dub the Flatwoods Monster took place during a flurry of sightings of unusual flying objects in the area. One man, Bailey Frame, of nearby Birch River, told of seeing a bright orange ball circling over the area where the monster was reported. The object was visible for 15 minutes before shooting towards the airport at Sutton, where it was also seen. According to one account, a week before the Flatwoods event and 11 miles away, a Weston woman and her mother encountered the same or a similar creature as they were driving to church. Both reported it emitted a foul odor, and the younger woman was so frightened that she required hospitalization. This report, if true, never made the newspapers. It was uncovered by two investigators associated with the Los Angeles-based civilian saucer investigation. Skeptics theorized that May and her companions had seen a meteor and an owl, and only hysteria had caused them to think they had observed anything else. Nevertheless, when interviewed separately shortly after the incident, the witnesses told a story investigators found strikingly consistent. Skeptical hypotheses have necessarily had to reject a priori the witnesses' descriptions of what they saw. A Joylette Quebec, Quebec woman reported seeing a similar creature as a gaster window of her home in the early mornings of November 22, 1973. She roused her husband, who went outside to investigate, finding only a dog which acted as if scared to death. The local police said they thought the woman was sincere. Story of the Flatwood Monster. <laughs> what do you think about that, Rob? Uh, I just like the one drawing that I saw of the, the you know, witnesses had made. Yeah. I don't really know how to describe it, it except it, like a giant overinflated head floating on top yeah, of it's like kinda, a... Yeah, it's kind of like... It, it, it looks kind of like a, a gray alien in a way because it's got the big bulbous eyes. But it has, like, the head is kind of shaped like the ace of spades in a way. And huge. You can imagine that. <laughs> and then it's got these little arms. And then, but it looks like the thing is, like, riding, like, this, like, two-section trash can, basically, <laughs> is what it looks like. So it kind of looks like a really demented, like, Robbie the Robot from, like, the 1960s. Wow. Uh, it's real strange. Now, what I found interesting about that is how the skeptics kind of like to explain it away. Um, <laughs> By an owl. and Right. Uh, Wikipedia goes into a little bit more detail on this stuff. Uh, one thing that's interesting here is the sickness. Is it said that after encountering the creature, several members of the September 12th group reported suffering from similar symptoms, which persisted for some time, in which they attributed to having been exposed to the mist emitted by the creature. The symptoms included irritation of the nose and swelling of the throat. Lemon suffered from vomiting and convulsions throughout the night, is what exactly it said in Jerome Clark's book, and had difficulties with his throat for several weeks afterward. A doctor who treated several of the witnesses is reported to have described their symptoms as being similar to victims of mustard gas. Though such symptoms are also commonly found in sufferers of hysteria, which can be brought on by exposure to a traumatic or, sh or shocking event. And this is interesting here. Uh, after examining the case 48 years after the event, Joe Nickel of the Paranormal Investigation Group Committee for a Skeptical Inquiry, then known as PSYCOP, concluded in 2000 that the bright light in the sky reported by the witnesses on September 12th was most likely a meteor, that the pulsating red light was likely an aircraft navigation hazard beacon, and that the creature described by witnesses closely resembled an owl. Nickel claimed that the latter two of which were distorted by the heightened state of anxiety felt by the witnesses after having observed the former. Nickel's conclusions are shared by a number of other investigators, including those of the Air Force, 
the Mothman and the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, which we talked about last month, hmm. have also been dismissed by skeptics as owl sightings. So I find it interesting that the skeptics <coughs> have dismissed those three, Mothman, Hopkinsville, and the Flatwoods monster as owl sightings. And there's another strange coincidence there because the whole thing, you know, a lot of stuff on this show has come out about owls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also the um, the alien abduction screen memories that they say that there's, that, that people say they see owls and then that's a sign. If you've seen owls, that's a sign that you've been possibly abducted by aliens at one point. Uh, what do you think about that, Rob? Well, that's what I was going to bring up with the abduction thing. I mean, I think that's I'm not sure which way to take that, whether it's people trying to repress memories and seeing owls instead of what they saw. Right. Or, you know, the other way around, if it's you know, maybe they are seeing owls half awake and then yeah. later recalling it. It's like their idea. Their idea is, is that the skeptics ideas is, is that, OK, it's 1950s and. There's all this hysteria about UFOs, about um, alien invasion, those kind of things. I mean, this is 1952, and I think in the same year there was the famous um, UFO, like suppose like invasion, quote unquote, of Washington D.C., where all these different flying saucers were seen over the Capitol building and in the in Washington D.C. airspace. There's actually that, a famous picture that's called that Independence Cap- Day. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just <laughs> but, a movie. Well, it shows. It shows <laughs> well, no, there's an actual picture that shows the Capitol, and above it, there's a UFO. There's these. There's these like UFOs above it, and so their idea is is that well, people just saw a meteor and they got all worked up about it, and they went out to investigate, and they already had this heightened state of fear. And it just so happened that there was an owl there, and they saw it, and they all thought, and they all were so scared collectively that they all hallucinated this creature or made the owl bigger than it actually was. Uh, the same thing you said for Mothman, but people think that, but the people that were there categorically stated that they saw this thing. They said, you know, this is what we saw, and they and and the, the the weird pictures that you see is what from what they drew of it, and now there's some similarity to the owl, and it's possible that, you know, hey, maybe they were in a heightened state, but maybe it was a, a shared hallucination. The mustard gas thing is interesting too, but the skeptics dismissed that as being of uh, the a form of hysteria, like a symptom of hysteria. But you, in this, in this book, as I read, the guy went out to the, he went out to the site and he could smell, he could still smell this like kind of like rotten smell that had come from the, that the people said that came from this creature. So I don't think the skeptics have fully explained it. No. And I mean, everybody knows what an owl is. Mm -hmm. I've, I find it right. really hard to believe. Yeah. If you're living in West Virginia, I mean, okay, population 300. There's not very many people in that area. These are country people. You know, Luke, you grew up I did, in, yeah, in the country. I'm more than familiar. Yeah, I, I mean, like we used to hear. I mean, would you really mistake an owl for? No, I, you told I me on many occasions you heard the, 
you were freaked out by the uh, bobcat. Or yeah, that's what I was about screen. to talk about. Yeah, you knew what terrifying. it was. Yeah, yeah. they are. Uh, but I, I did, yeah. I mean, because I was like, man, that that can't be a screaming woman. Oh. It, it does. It sounds it exactly like, yeah, like a screaming like a woman. woman. Right. In the woods. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just did a little research after that, and I was just like, oh, you know. Right, dismissed. exactly. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, like, the, those people, wouldn't they wouldn't see owls all the time. Right. They wouldn't be out. I mean, you know, granted, owls are nocturnal. You're not going to see them in the night. You're only going to see them in the nighttime. But these people, I mean, would they have the experience to know that what they were seeing was on an owl? Yeah, I, I don't care how much of a hysteria you you're feeling at the moment. You you could still tell that it's an owl. So I looked up about the Flatwoods monster case, and uh, I got pretty cool little videos. I give these guys a plug called UFO Case Review. It's a series of videos of different UFO incidents. And I ran across this comment that I thought was real interesting. Uh, this is a comment posted onto the video. He says, I have a little story to tell you guys. I once made a t-shirt with a print of the drawing of the Flatwood monster that appears in this video. This was eight years ago when I was living in Albuquerque. One day I was wearing the t-shirt in a local supermarket when this Mexican dude came and asked me about the drawing <laughs> in the t-shirt. This is Mexican dude. He asked what it was what it was cuz that thing looks a lot like the brujas in his hometown of Rayones in Mexico. I asked what a bruja was and he said witches. He told me that in his hometown near the mountains you can see fireballs floating on the top of the mountains and that few of the people that live near the mountain have seen the witches, including him, and they look just like the thing I had on my T-shirt. I did a bit of research on this, and the hometown of this guy is located near a place called Monterey, where a police officer was on the news because he reported being attacked by a witch that he reported to be very tall, red eyes, pointy hood, like a figure, like a figure on it. <coughs> so very similar That's wild. to the Flatwoods monster. And... I thought that was pretty cool. Little yeah, I, I forgot about that. I heard of that one, too. <laughs> you know, the the guy writing that just uh, made me think of Kai. Remember that guy from the YouTube video that, like, uh, killed that guy with an axe that was attacking? You know what I'm saying? That that, uh, that stoner dude from California. And, oh, yeah. And the yeah, news yeah. interview that, yeah. Yeah, he's he straight up Dogtown, right? Yeah. <laughs> It reminds me of him, you know, when you were reading it. Uh, so a Mexican dude was like, hey, <laughs> I've seen that before, man. Oh, oh dude, I've seen that before, I say. <laughs> he threw a fireball at me one time. So that's what I want to do. You know, I want to talk about some weird stuff like in the beginning of the show. You know, it's, it's like interesting, like, you know, Rob's so into the cryptid stuff. He's kind of got me back into it, you know. Some high weirdness. Some high weirdness. <laughs> some high strangeness. Uh, but I did want to address, before we kind of go on to the guest, uh, to make an apology out there to the listeners. Uh, on the last show with Micah Hanks. Okay, stop. <laughs> On the last show with Micah Hanks, you guys probably heard a bunch of distracting noise. And Luke can explain what exactly that was, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, what he was doing. I, I was flipping through some very unsavory material. <laughs> <laughs> and what unsavory material were you flipping through, sir? 
Well, what, 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 what's what's it called? It, it, it's a it's a music catalog. I, I couldn't really. I mean, I wasn't witty enough just then to come up with anything. Right. Well, I wanted you to say exactly what it is. Like, it, it's, re, re, it's the, what's it called? What's it's the Sweetwater Pro Gear music right, catalog? Right. You know, because our because our our, our friend Rob here, our, our producer, you know, he's he's a musician as well. That's what he does. Like, you know, he's a professional. Music uh, engineer, stage, engineer, stage engineer, right? Yeah. So he had this laying around, and Luke was looking at it as we were listening to Micah talk. Uh, so I apologize, guys, if that was distracting on the last. My show. bad, my bad. We, we are we are on we are in a new studio, as we've told you guys before. Uh, Rob has much more, I think, sensitive and better equipment. Than what we had when we were doing this at my house with my little rinky-dink mixer board <laughs> and my little like uh, what was that little adapter to turn analog digital into analog. Right. Uh, so oftentimes when we were over there, Luke would be drawing or he would be playing guitar, something or, <laughs> or playing guitar, which he did on the on the first show that we actually were in here. You were playing some bass. We actually got some. I got some compliments on it from one guy. I said he really liked the bass lines. <laughs> uh, so. Sorry if that was really distracting, guys. I appreciate you know, that, we, too, we, by the way. We, we, we're we just kind of trying to work out the kinks of moving into this new studio. Of new, and, and really, we could not hear that. Yeah, I we, could not hear that. Rob we had no idea it was even Luke could, I mean, Luke could hear it, but but, but only, because, only because he was the one doing it. <laughs> Micah also could not hear it, I don't think. Or I think he probably would have said something. So... Big apologies, guys, if it was distracting, everybody that listened to the last show. But I hope at least you guys got something out of what Micah had to say and what we had to say. So that's the announcement that I wanted to make. Uh, We're going to go to the guest here in a little bit. We have coming on tonight, and I don't really know what to expect out of this. I have Doc Marquis coming back. He was actually, if you listen to the intro, he's the first guy on there talking about how he was an Illuminati witch and all that good stuff. We had Doc on back in like in March of 2013. And he has something that he's wanting to, an organization that he's wanting to push, uh, a prophecy organization, which is called Southwest Prophecy Ministries. So we're going to have him on and a couple of other people from it. And don't know really what to expect about this. We're going to learn about their ministry, what they do. You know, guys, you know, we're, we, don't, uh, we don't say we're a Christian show. Um, you know, Luke, he does go to church quite often. Mm-hmm. And I, I started, I started hanging <laughs> out with, that's why he, that's why he was ministering last night to the people over. <laughs> I, at the, I was, uh, someone needs to turn EDM those show. lost people around, <laughs> <laughs> man, dude, I, I swear, I swear. I didn't mention this earlier. They were turning into demons. Like right before me, like what? cackling, <laughs> like like they were cackling demons, man. I'm I'm laying in the tent trying to just like get my wits about me, and the this the haunting music just like fills the hollow. I think we might need to do an exorcism, Rob. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to get these people to do an exorcism. So we're gonna Bring have it. these we're gonna have these guys the on. Like I said, I don't I don't know what to expect, but hopefully it'll be a good discussion. I do want to talk to them about uh, all this um, weirdness that's going on on the internet right now about this month, particular month we're in, about September, and about how the world is going to end apparently on several different dates. Uh, 
you know, we'll see what they think about that. So without further ado, I think we're just going to go to the guest. And, guys, we'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal. Shebang. All right, guys, we're back on Conspiracy Normal. It's your host, Adam Sane, and of course, sitting across from me is Mr. Lucas Reed. Mm-hmm. No longer co host, right? <laughs> Step down. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we got the, the producer with the mostest, Mr. Rob here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have not one, but two guests on the line. I have, as I mentioned before, Doc Marquis. The very famous Doc Marquis, who we had on uh, back in March of 2013, talking about the Illuminati and all that good stuff. And we also have Mr. David Stitker, who we've not, who is a first-time guest on the show. Welcome to Conspiracy Normal, David. Great to be with you, Adam. Excellent, excellent. And you guys have uh, something that you want to talk about tonight on the show, and that is the Southwest Prophecy Ministries. Now, uh, I know Doc, but David, uh, I'd like to get a little bit of your background and uh, who you are, and we'll just kind of go from there. Well, great. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Adam. Absolutely. Um, I guess I start my story about 40 years ago. I just finished, um, just graduated from Booty Bible Institute in Chicago and um, had returned to my hometown of Oklahoma City. And uh, shortly after my return, I was hired by Noah Hutchings, uh, who for uh, many, many years was, is well known within Bible prophecy circles. And uh, so I went to uh, work for his uh, ministry, radio and publishing ministry. And um, uh, began writing and began broadcasting uh, and did so off and on for about eight years until I moved to the East Coast to get uh, further education. And I ended up pastoring for about 25 years. Um, and um, when I would have opportunity, I would uh, continue to do broadcasts and write books and articles for uh, Brother Noah. And then in 2013, we had a, uh, a chance meeting when I was back in Oklahoma City. And just uh, wanted to show up and say hi. And we ended up doing a broadcast together. Then he asked me to write an article. Uh, and uh, he must have liked the article because he called me and he asked if I would be willing to return to the ministry. And then shock of all shocks, uh, he said that he wanted me to be his successor. Well, right. my brother Hutchings was about 90 years old at the time. Wow. And I was passed in Virginia. Uh, well, my wife and I, we prayed about it. And we felt that this, this was a call of God uh, to return to uh, the ministry that Noah Hutchings uh, was uh, the president of. And so uh, for about uh, two years, uh, I uh, resumed uh, work uh, at that ministry, uh, writing, broadcasting, interviewing folks, and just loving it. Uh, well, something happened in March that displaced me from that ministry. And the day I was displaced, I got a call from Doc Marquis. And, Doc, I will pass the baton on to you so you can tell our list, the listeners uh, what that phone call was about. Thank you, David. Well, what had happened um, about two, three months maybe before that, um, um, I had been, I, had, I should say, Adam, I had heard that another ministry was on its way out. Now, it's been um, almost two years since I've spoken to you, Adam, about the Illuminati, right, right. infiltrate places and things. And, you know, they have an eight-part plant that they use to this very day to bring ministries and churches down. And I've seen, you know, another 
church coming down again, and I think this happened somewhere around um, December or January. And I am just, you know, sick um, of what I, of what I was seeing. And I had been praying to God for months, you know, to do something about this. What can be do done about this, so on and so forth. And one evening when I was on my knees praying to him about this again, he told me to start another ministry. And of course, knowing that I'm speaking to um, God, the creator of all that there is, in my infinite wisdom, my immediate response to him was, are you out of your mind? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't even have two cents to rub together, and how am I supposed to do this? And he told me three simple words, and I will never forget them. He said, tell my children. And so, with that in mind, and um, hearing what had happened to David and to Noah's eldest daughter, Carol Rushton, I had called them up um, initially when I found out what had happened, and I told David, I'd said, keep your eye out for another ministry. There's another one out there. Now, of course, he didn't know what God had told me to do at that point, but I still was able to tell him, you know, keep your eyes out for another ministry. And I think it was about two weeks later, David and Carol got um, an epiphany and said, let's start our own ministry. And I'm saying to myself, okay, thank you, God. The message has been spread around. Now let's, now we can tackle this problem. So from that moment on, David, Carol, and I um, decided to create a new ministry under God's orders now. And we named it Southwest Prophecy Ministries. And this ministry is going to be carried on with the same um, vision and goals of Dr. Noah Hutchins, you know, who passed away a number of months ago. Um, that wonderful, gentle giant um, for almost 64 years, as I recall. Wasn't it about 64 years, David? Um, Noah would go to his office, and Monday through Friday he would do a half-hour um, prophecy show. For 64 years, wasn't it, David, just about that long? Uh, actually, a little over 64 years, and what? during oh. that time, he, he wrote over 100 books. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you guys. I wanted to ask you guys about because uh, I don't think anyone in my audience is probably familiar with who Noah Hutchings was, and I do understand that he he did live to a very uh, long age, and he actually just passed away. I think just recently. And uh, da uh, David, would you mind kind of going over through like who he was and what it was that uh, that that he was doing and what he believed? Uh, yes, uh, Noah Hutchings uh, began work at their ministry called Southwest Radio Church in 1951. Uh, actually, uh, uh, the day he uh, was hired there, um, he was not a believer, and the head of the ministry at the time, Dr. E.F. Weber, uh, kind of got into an argument with, with uh, Noah and fired him, and then uh, asked Noah to go fishing with him. Okay. While they were uh, out fishing together, uh, Dr. Weber led Noah Hutchings to the Lord. Uh, and rehired him, and from 1951 until uh, this year, uh, Noah Hutchings uh, served faithfully at that ministry. Uh, he became the president in 1989 and just continued to uh, be faithful in doing daily broadcasts, as well as uh, taking many trips to the Holy Land, and as I mentioned, he authored over 100 books. So he was 
one of the most prolific Christian authors of the last uh, 60 years, and his focus was on Bible prophecy. All right. Okay. I, well, anyway, so knowing that, greed and corruption have set in to another ministry. We decided that we would pick up where Dr. Noah Hutchins had let, up, let off and continue with his visions and goals. Now, as I stated before, he would do a Monday through Friday half-hour radio show on prophecy. But what we're going to do, we're going to keep the same thing, but we're going to expand upon this. And you tell me, Adam, Rob, and Lucas, what you guys honestly think about what I'm about to tell you. All righty. Mondays. We are going to have prophecy, and it's going to be taught by Dr. David Schnitke himself. Now, on Tuesdays, we're going to have a different show. It's going to be on Middle East affairs. You know, what's going on in Israel, ISIS, you know, the whole Middle East package. And that's going to be done by Noah's eldest daughter, Carol Hutchins. Uh, excuse me. I should say Carol Hutchins Rushton. Excuse right, me. right. Yeah, right, and um, she's uniquely qualified to do this because not only did she live in Israel for over eight years, she also wrote for the Jerusalem Post, and that's one of the pre preeminent newspapers there. So Carol's going to be doing that. On Wednesdays, you know who, I'm going to be teaching on a show called Conspiracy Corner. I think you know the topic of discussion and how far we could go with that one. Sure. On Thursdays, we're going to have Bible studies. That one, you could go in a million directions and never repeat yourself twice. And on Fridays, we're going to close the week out with geopolitics. In other words, what's going on in other places throughout the world? What is the Illuminati up to maybe in this government or in that event, so on and so forth. So what do you think of that lineup? I, I, see, my goal was to really bring out the variety because maybe some people don't just want to hear about Middle East. Maybe they want right. to get into, you know, the Bible study part of it or maybe the conspiracy part of it. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, I think that's good. I think it's it's a good way to kind of mix it together in in, in a good in a good way. And you can also see how things uh, also cross pollinate as well between the, the different fields. Especially right. with like a, a you know daily topic um you know, you're still having like the the Bible study every week, and you're still having like you know you've got all the shows every week. So whoever is going to subscribe to their show or whatever still has a weekly episode to listen to. And correct, right? Mm -hmm. And we will be having guest um, speakers on. Um, and right now we have a a very operative website. It's um, www.swmp. No, excuse me, swp. M. US. Um, you go there, um, you'll see a bookstore, you'll see an introductory um, video explaining who and what we're all about. Um, and basically what I'm on the show for, and, I'll, and Dave and I and Carol will um, be doing shows throughout September to announce the um, arrival of Southwest Prophecy Ministries. I'm, I'm obeying God and what he told me, and I'm calling out to all my brothers and sisters to send in and donate whatever money they can to Southwest Prophecy Ministries because this is a major undertaking that, quite honestly, I don't think any of us was prepared for. Talk, let me... Did, 
Go ahead. Well, I wanted to ask you about because you mentioned uh, this the eight point plan to to kind of bring churches and ministries down that the Illuminati is doing. Uh, what does that entail? I mean, do you see like the hand of the Illuminati and what's happened with, uh, with with Noah Hutchins' old organization that you guys are trying to to bring back? Well, let me tell you this much: with other ministries and churches in the past, there's, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I have seen this infiltration process began. I, I'll give you a couple of points, you know, okay. you know, of the eight parts, just just to give you an example, okay? All right. Um, one thing they, um, one of the first steps they do, they will send in one of their own people to begin the infiltration process. And so they'll um, sign up and become a church member as soon as, you know, the church allows. Some churches say you can join immediately. Some have, you know, like um, um, not a waiting period, but, you know, something along that line. You know what I'm saying. Gotcha. And in the interim, those people are going to become the best tithers on earth. I mean, these people are going to give, you know, like upwards from 500 to to $1,000 a week because they're not the ones paying for it. They're getting it, you know, through their masters in the Illuminati. Well, I'm sure they have plenty of money, so it makes sense. Uh, precisely. And so these people, you know, it, you see, church leadership right now, it seems, aren't all that interested in spiritual food so much as they are in monetary gain. I hate to say that, but... In so many places I have seen, if you're one of the big tithers or big givers, oh my goodness, you know, you'll be, you'll, um, be propelled to a leadership position quicker than most people, you know, could ever imagine. And that's one of the next points. These people will be put into one of the leadership positions. Maybe they'll be teaching, you know, um, um, a Bible, um, um, class or maybe a Sunday school class. And they'll eventually become one of the deacons and or elders. And if they get the Bible um, class or um, a Sunday school class, what they're going to do? Oh, they're going to teach the Bible, but without you realizing it, they're going to put changes in okay. that most people wouldn't um, notice. Because the truth of the matter is, most people don't know their Bible to begin with. It's a sad statement, but most born-again Christians just don't know their Bible like they should. Uh, but I would agree with that statement, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to slip in these little changes where it makes you question the deityship of Christ. It'll make you question, gee, can I really be completely saved or is this something I have to constantly work for, you know, and they're going to put these little things in. And so eventually, these people won't be able to tell, you know, a false Bible from the true Bible because they're so mixed up. Okay. Um, one, um, one thing that they will do, if they can't um, get into the leadership position because um politics or because someone's in their way, that's when they'll kick in, I think that's step number five, I think it's either five or six, where they'll set the person up to where it'll look like they're having an, an affair 
or okay. something along that line. All right. And, you know, something that scandalous, oh, my goodness, that will bring down the church. And um, sad but true, um, I remember when um, my very first, my very first church that I got saved in fell victim to that eight-part plan, and no one would listen to me. So the church just uh, fell apart? Oh, it, it's no longer um, around, period. You see, at that point, when my home church um, literally was brought down, I first saw it when I was saved about six months. And um, about six months later, after every single warning, I'm telling them what's going on and everything. They just poo-pooed it away. I'm just a new child in Christ. I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Six months later, it was gone for good. Wow. David, what do you think about that, that Doc Marquis has said? Do you think that there's that, that kind of program that's, that is targeting these ministries and, and bringing them to their knees? Well, you know, it would make sense. Um, obviously, I was never on the inside of the Illuminati, but, you know, we believe, of course, that what the Bible teaches that we're in a spiritual warfare. And who better for Satan and his uh, seed, his folks, to target than the church? Uh, because obviously God has commissioned the church to uh, preach the gospel to the whole world uh, and to disciple uh, people. And so uh, it would seem to me from uh, a Luciferian perspective that he would devote a lot of attention and direct his, um, uh, his faithful crowd uh, in strategies, very subtle strategies to bring down the church as well as uh, influential Christian ministries. Okay. Uh, he wants to nullify the gospel and to keep the gospel uh, from the uh, from the hearing of the unsaved. And we and when we think about that, Adam, let's consider very carefully. They were to kick God out of the public school and the public arena, haven't they? Yeah, for the most part, I'd say. Right now, look at um, what they've done with the Bible. Do you know, um, ever since 1611, the KJV translation of the Holy Scriptures, for over 350 years, there was not another translation to be had. That was the Bible. It was in its completion. 1611, everyone had an aha moment and said, this is it. And the Illuminati, now understand, I was in at this time when it started happening. In order to weaken um, the foundations of the Bible, they started having new ones made. We're talking perverted translations that of uh, anything based on genuine scholarly translation by any true understanding of the words. And one of the first Bibles I remember um, was the NIV, okay. the New International Version, but I always right. call it the, the, new Internet, um, the New Illuminati Version. Okay, all right. And then, <laughs> I like know, it, have, I like it. Yeah, thank you. And then we have the Good News Bible. Um, that was basically for the hippie generation. Yeah, why don't they just call that translation the Make Me Feel Good Fuzzy Wuzzy translation? Because that's <laughs> all it is. And what's interesting, when you study um, the more than 100 perverted translations we have now, and most of them are based on the perverted translation of the, of the original Alexandrian text, 
one thing that they've done. They have taken out the name of Jesus Christ and salvation more times than any other translation I've ever seen. It's a, and now think about this. When you remove Jesus Christ and salvation out of the Bible, how is anyone supposed to get saved? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. Yeah. But, but, but how, are they, how are they moving the, that out of the Bible, though? Oh, they, they just um, leave the, um, the name of the Lord out, or they leave salvation out. When you, when you look In these at translations. Text, yeah, when you okay. look at any of those perverted texts, you will see that they have taken the Bible, and they've rewritten it, or modernized it, if you would, or rewritten it in a way that everyone can understand it. That's the excuse. And so when they make these changes, this is where they leave out the name of the Lord or salvation and so many other important um, foundations to Christianity. And this is what's going on. Now, mind you, this was actually first done by um, Thomas Jefferson. This is not a new trick. This is an old trick. If you've ever read um, the Jefferson Bible, Thomas Jefferson, what he did, he took the New Testament, he kept the verses he believed in, and everything else he trashed. Right. Yeah, he kept the teachings, but he put stuff like he got out the miracles and the resurrection and all that, all that kind of salvation thing. Salvation yeah. and other things. Right, right. Yes. You see, and, um, and, and trust me, he did this for a reason. Now, understand, Thomas Jefferson himself was in the Illuminati. Jefferson, I mean, Jefferson was also a Mason. He was also um, a deist. There's so many things you could just talk about when it comes to Thomas Jefferson. Now, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Our founding fathers, a lot of them, don't get me wrong, very good people. But a, a lot of the others, very evil, very mean people. Yeah. People just don't know the truth about American history. Well, I would agree with that for, for, for sure. It's up to Adam to save the world and teach everyone the true American history. <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Well, Adam, Adam, how many original colonies were there? Thirteen. No. That's the lie. Uh, well, actually, you know what? It's interesting that you mentioned that because wasn't uh, Delaware dependent on Pennsylvania? And so there actually would have been 12. It was only 12 because Delaware never became a colony until after yeah. the signing of the Declaration of Independence. That's a strange it coincidence because I just found out about this just just this last it week. Its own, it had its own government and everything yeah. else, but it answered to the governor of Pennsylvania. Correct. Yeah, the, so the governor of Pennsylvania, governor of Delaware were the same. Yeah. yeah. So, you see, you truly you only had 12 colonies. As it says, you never had a 13th one until after um, the declaration was signed. Yeah. That's just one of those lies, and that's an important lie that um, I don't have time to get into, but it plays with the creation of the $1 bill and the two great seals on the back of it, which are not the two great seals of the United States of America. And I proved conclusively on DVDs 1 and DVD 4 in my series that those are the two seals of the Illuminati. But again, as I said, that's another story. Um, but right. We go down that road. That's a long road to go down. 
Oh, yeah, that's, that's another story for another time, but so you see, like yourself, Adam, we are going to put out the truth of what's really going on in this life, because you know how I am. You know my background. You know what I've done for the last 36 years as far as exposing the truth, the right. Illuminati, their plan for the New World Order, what's really going on in our government and other places throughout the world. We're going to continue that. We're going to continue Dr. Noah Hutchins' visions and goals. And we are um, already, as I said, we've already got a workable um, website up. We've got a bookstore there. Um, some of our other short goals, um, short-range goals, one of the most immediate is to get back on the radio. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why, among other things, I'm asking you for your financial help. I really am because... In order to put those five back-to-back um, -back shows on every week, let's face it, we have to pay the radio stations. And um, But as we're saying, that's part of the short-range goals, get right back on um, radio so we can continue giving out the warnings of what's really going on. As it says, I see another ministry coming down. I see churches coming down. And when are we going to say enough is enough to where we do something about it? Well, let me ask you guys. I think this is a great place to ask this question. And to both of you gentlemen, I'm going to throw this out there. There's a lot of, as I know, a lot of prophecy ministries out there. And you have some you have some bigger ones and you have some smaller ones. What do you guys think? And I think we've kind of covered a little bit of this. But what do you think that uh, is going to set your organization apart from some of these other uh, prophecy organizations. Can I answer that, Doc? Absolutely. Oh, that's a presidential question, if ever I heard one. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, let me see what I can do with that, uh, Adam. Uh, there are some prophecies, and I'm not saying this to be critical, but all they do is talk about prophecy. Right. They'll analyze the latest events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Some of them get involved in date settings, etc. But they don't really have much of a focus on what Christians are to do until Jesus comes. And that's why our ministry is going to be different. Uh, we believe that we're not only to be looking for Jesus' coming, but as Jesus himself said, we are to be occupying until he comes. That means that we are to be faithful as Christians in all the normal responsibilities of the Christian life, you know, evangelism, discipleship, etc., but we should also be resisting evil. I think the great heritage of uh, biblical faith, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, or church history, is that true, genuine Christians resist evil. And I don't see a lot of focus in prophecy ministries on the boots on the ground, resistance of evil. And so that's, that, I think, is going to be a unique aspect of our ministry. We, we think it's a biblical balance. So we're to be looking, but we're also to be occupying. We're to be resisting evil, hindering evil until we are taken out uh, before the rapture. And uh, so we're going to have a heavy focus on liberty. Uh, we are going to do our best to expose tyranny, particularly here in the United States, without fear or favor. Uh, our hope is that we're going to inform and mobilize Christians to the front lines of the battle. Because that's what Christians, true Christians, are supposed to do. Okay. All right. 
I mean, can, consider what just happened with Kim Evans. I believe it's Kim Evans. What's her name? Kim Davis. Kim Davis. Davis, thank you. Um, Christians rallied around um, what had happened because people were informed of the truth of what really happened. See, if you go by what the papers had said, or most of the major um, news stations out there, they were saying, this lady had broken the law, she did this, blah, 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 and you didn't really get to the heart of the truth of the matter. But once that happened, once that little spark of truth was um, put out there, it ignited like a wildfire. And Christians rallied around the flag and said, no, this is not going to be tolerated. And this, among other things, is what we're going to be doing. We're going to equip end-time saints to where they'll be able to not just occupy, but prepare for those times ahead. And this is just, as I, state, as I stated before, just part and partial of what we're going to be doing through the teachings and such, because we are going to be keeping um, um, these other goals going as we fulfill um, these earlier ones. Among other things, we're going to be getting an E. Okay, what do we say? How do we say that again? I'm not from this generation. Um, um, it, it, David, help me. Is that an e-newsletter? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes, we're going to be e sending out an email newsletter every week. Oh, thank you. To uh, everyone on our email list. And um, we're going to be keeping um, up all the information, the articles and such that I've kept up for all these years to keep people aware of what's going on and everything else. I mean, this is going to be a major undertaking. And... Um, one of our long-range goals, maybe a year, two years down the road, is to put us on TV so that people have got a genuine, honest, reliable Christian source of information. Now, you've seen, I know you three gentlemen have seen all of those um, phony um, Christian ministries on the television. There's very few that's genuine and honest. I mean, we see so many dishonest ministries, it just makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, and I'm going to cite one, one example here. I don't care if they like it or not. <laughs> um, let's consider Joel Osteen. He lives, I think it's a $7 million mansion. Jeez. And you know, just two blocks down the road from where he lives, people are in the street begging for food. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the thing that I see a lot that just it makes it really hard to accept any kind of new, um, you know, like what you guys are trying to to, to lift well, up and start okay, up. But we but we've got a safeguard here, David. Explain to them how we're going to be financially accountable. You see, we're not going to control the purse strings. We're going to be held accountable. Take that, David, please. Yeah, we have two uh, uh, two strategies. Uh, one is a short-term strategy. We have a fine Christian lady. Her first name is Karen, uh, and she has volunteered her time to be our bookkeeper. She's not on our staff. She's not. She doesn't even live in the states where we uh, live. And uh, every month, we're going to send all the financial uh, receipts. Uh, all, you know, everything that relates to the finances to uh, Karen. She's a CPA, and basically, she's going to be doing our books. So that's going to keep all of us honest in the short term. Then as we become more established, it is our plan to become members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, uh, in short known as the ECFA. 
And this organization is a watchdog organization for Christian ministries. Uh, they have very high uh, standards of financial accountability in order to become a member and be, and uh, be retained as a member, uh, including regular uh, independent audits of the books. And so uh, we are uh, setting this standard so that the Christian public uh, will know that when they send funds in to our ministry, it's not being used to support lavish lifestyles. It's indeed being used uh, for the purpose that they intended, that is to right. advance the gospel, the message of the Word of God. Right. So these, these are things that uh, we think are necessary as a ministry in order to uh, establish uh, financial integrity. Uh, I think the more transparent you are, the better it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you Full can show that. Right. Exactly. We're not related to Hillary Clinton or Obama here. We're going to have <laughs> genuine trans, you know, transparency here. You know, we are purposely holding ourselves to a higher accountability, and we're going to hold um, ourselves to a whole new standard. I call it a new standard. David might uh, disagree with me on this. I'm not sure, but it's a new standard we're aiming for. We want to put Christ back into the word Christian. And to do so, we have to be above board in such a way that at any given moment, anyone can check anything about us and give us a clean bill of health. David, and that's I... Not just, and that's not just in operations, but that's also in the teaching, um, in the radio shows, in the DVDs um, I write, and they'll be writing, in the books, the materials, the newsletters everything. David, I did go over your guys' website, and I wanted to ask you a question, and you had brought this up about the the concept of occupying before he comes. Um, Is is this, and I I want to ask you this, is this similar to uh, the kind of like the, the, well, I guess for lack of a better term, the dominionist uh, theology, or is this, are you looking at it in a different way? Yes, I'm familiar with the Dominion uh, theology. or The seven uh, mountains of, pro- of culture and progress, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, otherwise, the Christian Reconstruction, we, right. are, we are not the persuasion that the church will bring in the kingdom uh, or that we will, you know, transform the, uh, yes. you know, the earthly kingdoms and uh, uh, bring in a theocratic uh, or theonomic uh, government. Right. Um, that, we, that is not our vision. Um, our vision is, uh, and our understanding of the scripture, is that uh, at a point in time that we do not know, um, Jesus Christ is going to appear in the clouds and catch all true believers up to be with him, uh, those living and dead. And then uh, after the tribulation, at least seven years later, he will come back and establish his earthly uh, thousand-year kingdom upon this earth. So uh, our, our view of occupying not have that kind of a, a vision. Uh, really, all we're advocating is that true believers have always resisted evil, uh, whether it be the Hebrew midwives who disobeyed the Pharaoh's orders to abort Hebrew babies, uh, and they did not, and they lied about it, and God smiled upon them in approval, uh, or whether it be the apostles who were forbidden by the Sanhedrin. Uh, to preach the gospel, and their response was, we must obey God rather than man. 
Uh, and we could go on and on with examples in the Bible of true believers who said no to human authorities because they said yes to God. And they suffered for it. Many of them suffered and martyred. And the history of the Christian church, the true Christian church, is always a history of resistance and persecution. And uh, this, I think, is a neglected message in our day of, you know, the health and wealth gospel. So basically what we're saying is that one of the roles of the church, the true church, those who are uh, born again by faith in Jesus Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, is that we are to hinder evil. Uh, we are to, we're to be party poopers when it comes to the evil and tyranny, whatever form it takes. That's part of being part of the godly remnant. And so in the days in which we live, which we believe fast approaching the tribulation and global government and the Illuminati uh, establishing their one government, uh, but there is tyranny on every, every hand, and America is the big prize. And my uh, passion, and I'm sure it's Doc's and Carol, is that we want Christian people to stand up, even if it's a costly thing, and put boots on the ground, like uh, happened with uh, Kim Davis in Kentucky. 10,000 Christians showed up, you know, as one and prayed and said, no, this is wrong. Uh, that's the kind of confrontational Christianity that we are advocating in these last days. It's the kind of Christianity that Dietrich Bonhoeffer exhibited during the uh, uh, Third Reich, uh, when he uh, paid uh, dearly, he paid for his life because of his resistance to Hitler. Uh, so that's what we mean by occupying until Jesus comes. Okay. Okay. Well, how do you gentlemen see what is going on today in the United States of America? Where is this, uh, is this tyranny coming from a group like the Illuminati, are we just kind of slowly losing the freedoms that we once had in this country? Well, think about the question there. Are we slowly losing our freedoms? Okay. Why would we lose our freedoms unless someone wanted us to lose them? And if someone wanted us to lose them, the question then becomes why? Yeah. And so you see, Back in the early days of the Illuminati, America was slotted to become the New Atlantis. Now, they coined it the New Atlantis for a reason. Now, when we go back to Plato's um, writings on Atlantis, we find out that it was um, a giant continent with um, um, natural resources like no one's business. They had advanced um, in intellectual systems. They had advanced technologies. Um, the people had great wealth. And um, there was also um, um, a system in which everyone, and I mean everyone in Atlantis, could, you know, voice their opinions, be heard, and things were decided by the people as a whole. Now, when we compare America to Atlantis, isn't that exactly what we had at one point? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the 1950s, there was an interesting survey where um, the people were asked, what do, you, what do you think would make 
an ideal American family? Well, they said a good job, um, a, uh, a two-car garage, and a good paycheck. And time, um, you know, to relax and do, you know, whatever thing you wanted to do. And that's exactly what we have. You know, well, I should say until, you know, Obama took the throne. And, um, but this is what America was slaughtered to be. And it was, and it's, and it's from America that the Illuminati was going to um, rule and guide the rest of the world through. They needed, shall we say, a headquarters, for lack of a better explanation. And they needed that power center. And America, let's face it, no one in the history of the world could touch what's been accomplished in America, a.k.a. the New Atlantis. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that we are a Christian nation in the United States? Oh, that's a toughie now. Um, okay, let me ask you this question. What was the first um, settlement in America? First settlement in America, well, uh, technically would have been St. Augustine, but I know you're going for Jamestown. Nope. Roanoke. Gotcha. Remember Roanoke? Sir Walter Raleigh, yes. Croatoan. Uh, uh-huh. Was, was he, he was heading to the occult. Yeah. Well, they were all pretty much acolytes of Dr. John D., weren't they? Exactly. So, you see, you had the first colony that basically stems from the occult. And then when, when we bring it up to what you just said at Jamestown, we had a Christian colony. You see, America has been fought over by the occultists and by the Christians um, for, for over 500 years now. Whether or not it's going to be a Christian or an occult nation is always dependent upon the people. Now, I would say up to the 1950s, Christianity reigned supreme. But in the last 65 years, Christianity has been taking a major beating. We see the occult slowly weaving itself into American society, and it's done in such a way that you can't turn on your television anymore without um, seeing some sort of occult program. I mean, think of all the television shows, the series, um, the movies, the books. I mean, shall we say Harry Potter? And... um, now let's consider the Twilight Saga and all the others. You don't see um, Christianity like it once was. Slowly but surely, if people watch carefully enough, you'll see how prevalent the occult truly has become in Americana. Hasn't it always been there, though, Doc? I mean, hasn't that always been part of the United States? Like, the, the, I mean, I can think of uh, several. I mean, like the the, the Freemasons, and uh, even going back to uh, well, uh, Chris Pinto in one of his documentaries talking about Henry Wallace, Nicholas Rorick. I mean, hasn't well, that yeah. always kind of been there? You're always right. It's been there, but not in the prevalency we see now. And there's a good reason for that. You see, okay. in Revelation 1823b, 
it tells us that the entire world is going to be handed over to the Antichrist through the occult. Now, in order for that to be true, we have to see a resurgence right now greater than in all of recorded human history in these occult um, schools. And that's exactly what's going on. Right now, if you go, if you look at the statistics of the Council of uh, World Churches, you will see on the average right now, and it's been like this for almost 15 years, a little bit more than a million people, now this is per year, and this is just America, a little bit more than one million people in America are being added to one various branch of the occult school or not. You know, this is what you're seeing. A little bit more than a million, and it's getting high all the time. Okay. Now, my question to the Christian church would be, how many people did they get saved last year? Is it enough to offset that million plus? In my humble opinion, I doubt it. But you see the cause beginning now, and it's been going on for about 15 years, and you'll see the end result when Revelation 1823b is fulfilled, because it will happen. It's prophesied, so it must happen. David, I'd love to get your input on this. Well, going back to your original question, uh, I do uh, recall that at some point, I think it was in the late 1800s, that the Supreme Court uh, either made the statement or made the ruling that the United States was a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. But, you know, the Supreme Court is not notorious for getting things right. Uh, so from a historical perspective, you know, it's common uh, for us to consider uh, the United States as a Christian nation in terms of the predominant religion. Certainly it would be different than, uh, you know, Pakistan or a Muslim country. Sure, sure. But in terms of, of uh, the power structure, I think it would be hard, we would be, uh, it would be difficult for us to make the case that uh, America is a Christian nation. Uh, the command and control structure has been totally taken over by the globalists. Uh, they control the media. You know, the six media uh, uh, mega corporations are all controlled by globalists. Uh, certainly the federal government, whichever party you might uh, <laughs> espouse, uh, is uh, taken over by globalists. The uh, central bank, the Federal Reserve, obviously a globalist uh, organization. Uh, so when it comes to the actual power structure, uh, in other words, who has control over the significant institutions of America? Uh, they, they are anything but, uh, but Christian. They're Luciferian. They're globalist. What we have, though, inside that uh, structure, we have a remnant of true believers. Uh, and um, we uh, recognize, at least those who uh, are awake, that we do not have control uh, over the power structures of this government, that we are a remnant functioning within uh, in, uh, uh, a corrupt government, much as Daniel and his three Hebrew uh, friends uh, functioned within the corruption of Babylon. So you do have Christians who are functioning as salt and light and coming under increasing persecution uh, as the, uh, uh, the web of tyranny tightens uh, against Christians in America. Uh, and that's you know, I, I look at uh, Christianity in America as a rearguard effort. You know, the enemy is closing in. 
we are not going to turn things around, in my view. We're not going to establish a Christian nation. Uh, we seek to be salt and light and hinder and expose evil as best we can. Uh, but as a Christian friend of mine uh, said, he says, there's no way out but up. And so we look forward to the hope of being with Jesus Christ, uh, who will deliver us from the wrath to come. But until then, part of our Christian responsibility is to expose and resist evil, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I know that sometimes, you know, Christians and theologians get into battles and arguments over eschatology and, you know, uh, the, the views of the rapture, when it will be, etc., and I think those are important from a theological point of view, but they're not important from a tactical point of view. Uh, Christians are called to resist evil and stand for what is right and to defend the defenseless, regardless of your view of the future. It's a basic Christian responsibility that we see exemplified uh, in Old and New Testament and in church history. Uh, that's part of our calling, and it's not a pleasant part. You know, most Christians don't like being confrontational. They certainly don't like being hauled off to jail like our sister Kim Davis did or being misrepresented. But in a uh, darkening society, I believe that that becomes more and more a part of the faithful Christian's calling, just as it was for true Christians under the Third Reich. Hmm. And okay. let's not forget, Adam, it was Barack Obama himself who said America is not a Christian nation. Yeah, I remember him saying that. Mm -hmm. do, do, but do you guys think that some of this, like, I, I, I am not of the camp that really sees that Obama, uh, well, just, uh, I'll admit to you, I'm not one of the camp that sees that Obama is like the ultimate evil in the world. I, you know, I think that right. he's just a puppet and he's just a yeah. tool. But, you know, some, some of these uh, policies and the things that have gone on, I mean, they have happened under... Well, like under George W. Bush, I mean, he's a good instance. I mean, you know, here's a man that declared that he wasn't a Christian, an evangelical Christian. But yet I think he pulled us more into tyranny than any other president has. And Obama, I think, has just continued on his uh, his actions. And, and of the obverse of that, I believe that Bush just continued what Clinton said. So I think that we have an executive branch that has just had more and more and more power. You're right. You're absolutely right. Let's consider what Jimmy Carter once said when he was asked if he was a Christian. He said, I'm a thrice-born-again Christian. Now, what people don't realize is that's actually a Masonic term. Really? Interesting. It doesn't mean he was a born-again Christian. No, 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 no. That's completely different. And um, it's the same thing. Just because... These people are saying, oh, I'm a born-again Christian, I'm a born-again Christian. Well, really? Um, your actions will speak louder than your words any time. Now, let's go with the other part, what you were saying. <coughs> Look at what um, all the differences in um, runaround events um, Obama has been doing. Now, I don't care how many times he proclaims himself to be a Christian. The end result is, in my opinion, I think he's a Muslim because his actions have dictated what I've ended up to believe. You look at all the preferential treatment our Muslims get through Obama and then look at all the damnable things that will happen to Christians. 
um, consider that on, and, and I've got the photos, the before and after photos to prove this, how he ordered the mil um, this one particular military base, he wanted um, that Christian cross, as he put it, removed. And, excuse me, it's a Christian cross. You know, um, it's part of our heritage, per se. And yet he wanted it removed. And look at all the times he said um, um, about all these Muslim holidays. He gets on the airways or newspapers, tells them, I hope you have a good this, a good that, and all this. I don't see him telling any Christian to have a good this or that. Mm -hmm. And yet... Um, you'll see him doing things constantly that not only aren't Christian, but um, are against the best interests of America. I mean, just 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 let, let's just think alone of this um, Iraq um, nuclear deal. No sane person in their right mind would say that's a good thing, but they have an agenda here. And on, on the outside, people think that this is just insane. Yes, it appears insane, but they're working with a hidden agenda. And trust me, this is actually just the next step in this hidden agenda. Now, again, this is another long topic for another show, but if you ever want to do it, I'll happily do it. But trust me, everything he's been doing is following the Illuminati agenda to the letter. Well, what is the role of the Middle East of prophecy? I mean, we got a lot of things going on over there right now. We got ISIS. We got this refugee crisis that's going on in Europe. I mean, what it, it, do you see that what is going to happen over there is coming to a head at the moment? Well, Doc, I'll let you uh, leap into this one. <laughs> it's okay. a big. Um, well, I want to get your idea on it too, David. So, well, well, let's consider what you said. You know, what's going on? Um, with um, all, you know, this influx of Muslims into, you know, various parts of Europe and other parts of the world, right? Now, when you look at um, ISIS, um, if, if it was just them alone, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be a problem. Let's face it, as a nation, America could put more boots on the ground and get rid of them overnight if we really wanted to. That's the strength of our military might. But ever since the days of Clinton, and again, this is another story, but Clinton um, and the other presidents have been following since then, purposely um, closed down half of our military bases and sent um, um, so much of our remaining soldiers overseas. It's never been done before, not those numbers. No one has ever heard of anything like this. It weakened our um, ability to defend ourselves back then like no one's business and nowadays it's even getting worse so we can't um, just go over there on a whim and just start controlling things we could but it would be costly now saying all this because when we look at ISIS they're just basically um, the new bully on you know on the block they're nothing for us to handle if we didn't want to so there has to be something else going on here and again, in my opinion, what's going on with this Muslim invasion into Europe and other places is a smokescreen. Something else is going on behind the scenes, and that does involve Iraq developing nuclear um, armaments. See, everyone was so busy. It's like um, um, what was going on. Remember back on, um, what was that, um, Y2K? 
Remember, the world was going to crash and burn because all of a sudden all the computers was going to go down and all this. You are you guys old enough to remember that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I went to a great party that some night. Sound, some of you sound like a like a I just say this like a young pop, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, but thank anyway. you for that. <laughs> Oh, you're more than welcome. Trust me, I have calluses that are older than you. <laughs> but anyways, Y2K was a smokescreen. For two years, I was on the radio before that event telling everyone why it could not be possible, especially since it didn't fit into the plans of the Illuminati. And the, that was a smokescreen. The event that was happening, that was going to happen, was 9-11. And you can't have one of those events without the other. They're interlocked. And if you know anything about the Illuminati playing cards, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. Now, this is the same thing with um, what's going on um, with all this Muslim agenda and all this. Um, there is, this is a smokescreen. I know one when I see it, but quite honestly, I'm not sure what's behind it right now. But I know it has something to do <coughs> with making sure that... Um, Iraq becomes, uh, you know, gets nuclear armaments and such. Because... You're talking about Iran, right? Uh, Iran, excuse yeah. me. Uh, Iran. Because let's consider what's going on in the world over there. There's basically a war going on, and ISIS is carving up the Middle East. Now, what if... Now, let's, let's just throw this in the air for a second. Now, we know, uh, I think it's the third holiest mosque in the world, it sits on the Temple Mount. Um, yeah, the Temple Mount. It's the um, the Golden Dome or the Mosque of Omar. Yeah, yeah Dome of the Rock. Yeah. yeah, you know. Right. Now, since there's a war going on, right, and suddenly we see this big movement. I mean, this is bigger than it's ever been before, is to rebuild the Third Temple, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. Now, of course, hey, we've got a problem. The Dome of the Rock is there, isn't it? Well. True. There's a war going on there right now. What if a stray missile just happens to hit the Dome of the Rock? You can put up the third temple overnight, couldn't you? So you think that's a you well, think that's a setup for that to happen? No, wait, 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 wait. Let me say why. Let me say why. Because very few people know a fact that I'm about to tell you, and I've got the documents to prove this. In 1838, under the House of Rothschild. The Illuminati bought the Temple Mount and thousands of acres around it. Okay. Now, we know according to the prophecies of the scriptures, the Antichrist is going to be enthroned in the third temple and proclaimed to be God. Yes. What better way to ensure you're going to be able to do this other than buying it outright so you can control it? So you, so you think the Illuminati will build the third temple? Oh, I guarantee you they're going to make sure it happens. Okay. Remember, they're going to put their man on it to where he does proclaim himself to be God. This, again, is prophesied in the book of Revelation and other places. All right. Trust me, as I said, I see the Muslim event right now as so much smokescreen. I see other events coming behind it that they're, that they're trying to keep us from knowing about. Again, it's the Y2K thing. Put um, the big distraction so that they can make the um, big event that they're looking for to come about. So do you think the Muslims are being used over there? 
yes. Okay. And I, it's through their own leadership that that's happening. I mean, let's consider right now um, how many of those Islamic nations, their leaders, are making tens of millions of dollars. And the big question is, well, if they're getting that kind of money, where are they getting it from? Yeah. Someone's paying them off. Money just doesn't fall from a tree. We know this. So someone has got a lot of deep pockets and is funneling a lot of money to these people. You, you know, I find it sad and, and, and interesting at the same time that these refugees that are coming into Europe, that they are not being invited in by Saudi Arabia or Qatar or Bahrain or United Arab Emirates, yes, which you think would be a good place for them to go culturally and religiously, but they're exactly. being shoved onto well, Europe. Well, think about all these refugees, as you just pointed out, that's coming into Europe. Do you know a lot of the young men are already recruiting people in parts of Europe to join ISIS? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, no, that's if it happens in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it, it can happen over there. Well, let's, let's consider, you know, they're coming up through Mexico, another route that they can come into America. Um, let's continue, um, shall we say, the infiltration and the um, initiation um, in other parts of Europe. Why yeah. not? Make, yeah, I mean, isn't the express goal to, cre to create a giant, you know, nation under Sharia law, you know, the whole of the world? So if that's gonna come about, someone's gotta fossilize somewhere. Yeah, it is. It is for ISIS. Doc, do you think that there's a connection with uh, Freemasonry and like the Muslim, the Muslim Brotherhood? Um, there is absolutely no doubt. There's um, connection to this, and I can. Again, this is a long story, but let me just give you a simple example. You know the um, that wonderful fez that the thirty-second degree Masons wear when they become a Shriner. It's a red um, fez. Sure. Yeah, I know okay. what you're talking about. You know the history of it? Well, I mean, it, it, it has a Middle Eastern history. I mean, I know the, the Alhambra Shrine and all that. But I'm not right. probably familiar with too much of it. Where in that one city, um, the Muslims invaded um, this Christian city. They were just peace-loving Christians. That's all they were. Yeah. Minding their own business and all this. And overnight, the Muslims attacked them. And according to um, the accounts... Um, blood literally just flowed in the streets, and the Muslims took off their fez, which traditionally was white, and dipped it in the Christian's blood. And okay. that's where they kept the red and the fez from. All right. And um, so why would any um, Mason want to wear a hat that has such a history? Hmm. Unless, you know... Part of their teaching is in Eastern mysticism, and obviously, if you study um, the books, the writings of the Masons, and I literally, quite literally, have hundreds in my own library, you'll find out that's exactly what they're teaching, because let's not forget, it was Albert Pike who himself claimed that um, the Masonic religion is that of the Luciferian um, religion. Yeah, I mean, it's a religion all in of it to itself. That's what I really think that, that it is, is that it is another 
just another form of religion, like an alternative to to Christianity or any other form of monotheism for that matter? Well, it is a very occult teaching. Ask anyone in any occult school, and they will tell you. Um, Freemasonry is just another occult religion, and if you go into their own writings, they expressly state that they are a religion, even though Masons will state that we are not we are not a um, religious institution or anything like that. Their own books will tell the truth on this. They are heavily, heavily occultic, and they are beyond any shadow of doubt a religion and, mind you, not a Christian one because, again, their own writings teach that they um, will not have anything to do with Christianity, um, Christianity is not a substitute for Masonry, and that they um, will have nothing to do with the Bible or the teachings of Christ. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I want to get you guys' opinion on these things that we're hearing on the Internet uh, these days about September. And about well, the shoot, shoot me now, just shoot me now, please shoot me, just do it. Shoot me, someone have an ounce of mercy. I am tired of this. I mean, well, I don't not say that I agree with it or anything, Doc, but I, I just mean, wanted to get on, your wait, ideas wait, wait, about wait, wait. this. Today's the thirteenth, right? Today is the thirteenth, correct? Does she make the year end? Well, yeah. guess what? The stock market was supposed to crash and burn today. Right. Well, it's a Sunday, so they're not even open. But well, I'm sorry. If he knew what it was doing, he'd realize that oh, it would be Sunday on you know September 13th in the year yeah. 2015. I better make that the 14th instead. Well, you also have the blood moon cycle ending on the on, on Again, September 28th. Now and get it over. And also September 23rd, something is going to oh, happen. I, I don't know. Wait a second. <laughs> Ever since. Christ um, resurrected from the grave, 40 days later, ascended. There's been 164 tetrads, or four blood moon cycles. There's been 164 of them since. Right. You look at the past, and I've studied, I've gone into, I don't know how many hundred years in the past and traced them. But according to, and I must say it's a legend, because it is not founded in truth as far as I can tell, um, on... Um, when the blood moons hit, they're supposed to hit on a feast day, and when they do, something historically significant is supposed to happen to Israel. Not the rest of the world now, just Israel, okay? If you look at the vast majority of those 164 tetrads, you will see nothing happened. Yeah. Zero, zilt, nada, nothing. True. So... I cannot put any credence that something significant is going to happen on this, um, the fourth and last um, part of this time's um, tetrad. I just can't. There just is no um, significant evidence to basis. Well, now they try to say, well, um, look at what happened at the Yom Kippur War. Uh, yeah, look at it carefully, and you'll find out the blood moon did not happen on the day that the Yom Kippur um, um, started. It actually started, it was either a day, um, the blood moon, I think, happened a day or two before it. And I'm sorry, people, if it's supposed to happen on, you know, the feast day, then being off by a day or two just does not count. <laughs> well, David, let me get your input on this. I, I want to hear your, your point of view, because you hear so much about this uh, September thing. 
And by the time September 30th rolls around, I, I just firmly believe that we'll all still be here. What do you think about all this? The, and where where maybe well, this kind of hype comes from? I've been in, uh, you know, prophecy ministry for about 40 years. And I have read many books predicting certain events on certain days, uh, you know, certain timetables for, you know, the rapture, et cetera, et cetera. And so far, all of them have been wrong. Uh, my view is that the uh, the rapture, for example, is a signless event. Uh, doesn't is not pre- preceded by certain uh, certain signs, uh, and so we're to be ready at all times. I think there is a tendency for, uh, how should we say, Christian authors to hype certain things, um, and you know, uh, to look at certain events and draw certain conclusions. I've yeah. learned to be very tentative. About that, I think we should follow trends, but right. not set dates. And I think we see clear trends going on in the world today. In September, you know, we're seeing a continuation of those. For example, uh, the Pope is coming to uh, New York City later this month, uh, and he's going to be speaking at the United Nations and promoting uh, global governance through, you know, uh, the hoax of global warming. Uh, and he's openly. Uh, you know, promoting world government. He's been a very strong advocate for uh, ecumenicism, for one world religion. So those that's an example of a trend, and we're movement on those things continuously, and in September being, you know, certain... Uh, in other words, uh, Satan's crowd is moving the ball forward towards global hegemony. And there are certain markers, there are certain things that will, you know, move the ball forward more quickly. But I just think that we need to be very careful about looking at, um, you know, blood moons, yeah. uh, feast days, in, in terms of saying that this is going to be the tetrad that, uh, you know, fulfills scripture. Or on this particular feast day, we're going to see the rapture of the church. And I've heard so many schemes. Uh, and I don't mean that in a native way, but so many, um, uh, you know, uh, scenarios presented along that line, I think what it tends to do, Adam, is build skepticism against the pre-trib position. And that's the last thing I want to happen. So I'm a pretty uh, thoroughgoing skeptic when it comes to uh, date setting. Um, you know, I think that we're living in perilous times. I believe we're in the last days, but we should have our eyes wide open. We should be personally prepared, uh, spiritually and in every other way. Uh, but I wouldn't, um, how should we say, I wouldn't lose sleep over uh, these uh, particular issues because there have been so many false predictions through the years. Uh, you know, my confidence is in God. Amen. And not, not in the prognosticators, okay? Uh, he knows all things, and no one else does. Yeah, I'll second Including- that. I'll second that, amen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it just seems like people, they, they get worked up. Uh, social media kind of, um, it, 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 it multiplies the effect of it. And I, I think that there are people out there that just want to sell they just want to sell books and sell the latest thing, and, and I'm glad. And I'm, and I'm actually glad to hear that 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 you gentlemen are not date setters because I hear that all the time. Like the, I don't want to set a date, but you know that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, but Adam, 
in um, Luke and Rob, what did you guys say that what we see supposedly happening this month, isn't this a, just a repeat of December 21st, um, 2012? Yeah, it's and many, a repeat. Many other of, dates, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a I repeat mean, yeah. of the Herald Camping thing back in 2011. Well, yeah, I mean, and don't we hear that sometime again, Nibiru is supposed to be flying by? And yeah, I've heard that too. Heard Didn't that we too. hear that in 2012? Yeah. Okay, let's think about um, the prophecies of Brother Malachi, where the 112th Pope was supposed to be the Antichrist. Um, we heard that in um, 2012. Isn't that what we hear again? Yeah. I mean, history is cyclical and will always be cyclical until we learn our lessons. You know, I am not putting any stock whatsoever in any of the nonsense that's being hyped you know, as far as what's supposed to be happening in this, you know, in September. Um, mainly it's supposed to be um, between the 23rd and the 28th, but now some people are hedging their bets. They're saying, well, actually, it, it looks like it's gonna happen in, in um, October, and I already saw where some people are actually saying it's going to be a year later. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, this prolongs, you know, um, the thing. And the one thing, let's face it, you and I are not going to see is any one of those um, fear mongers apologize um, for what didn't happen in September. You and I are not going to see one apology for all the ranting and raving those people had espoused. Because right. usually they'll just go on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, what, what, what's the next um, big thing I can latch on so I can get attention? Basically, it's an Al Shopping thing. You know? <laughs> what can I attach myself now to so I can get all this attention? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Doc, I wanted to ask you a question uh, in the time that we have left, and that's about the Illuminati cards. Yeah. We've had on a – and I want you to know if you're familiar with these people. Uh, We've had on a a gentleman named Adam Garitley on the show. And he was – I'm I'm not going to say like a follower, but – uh, kind of like an acolyte of uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Are you familiar with Robert Anton Wilson? Oh, yeah, of course. He wrote the Illuminati trilogy. <sighs> Illuminati trilogy, right? And, and, and he and, and Adam is also a member of a, of the Discordian Society. Well, uh, I won't co- I won't tell you what the I'm sure you know it, but I won't say what the Operation Mind Blank is. But uh, right. they, they, they came up with this whole idea of the Illuminati, and I've also heard that the Illuminati cards from Steve Jackson games were based on Wilson's uh, Illuminati trilogy with the uh, the Discordia no, Society no, in mind. No, that part is completely untrue. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. You see, the, um, for those uh, who don't know this, the Illuminati playing cards was supposed to be just another, you know, um, game, you know, like um, 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 Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, those type of card games. Right. That's how they were sold to the public. But what people didn't realize, now mind you, it was from 1982 to 1995, that was a 13-year publishing. It wasn't 13 for no reason at all, trust me, man. 
But that's how they were um, pushed. It's just another card game. Yet, people on the outside had no idea what those cards were really all about. Those cards contained very specific plans of the Illuminati that's on their timelines. They were put there so that every single person in the Illuminati around the globe would be um, aware and prepare for these events that they were planning on. And if the Illuminati plan on it, trust me, it will happen. We look at the cards, just for a quick example. You see one card called Terrorist Nuke. Yeah. Well, it shows um, the Twin Towers being um, destroyed, doesn't it? Yeah, it's something that looks like that. It looks a little more familiar with them than I am. Yeah, I, I, uh, one that caught my interest was the backlash one that had a president behind a podium. Uh, with right. I know a lot of people think that's Obama, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because remember, the one with that one, it's supposed to be Teflon coating, remember? Okay. Like it, but, like it, that, doesn't get, it doesn't stick to him, that's what... Right. That yeah. was the card that, you see, and um, have you ever noticed, Luke, I think that was Luke, right? That was Luke. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever noticed on those cards, you will see on either the cardinal points, a gold um, arrow or a truncated pyramid, a capstone? Uh, in like the bottom right-hand corner? No, no, no. It'll be in the center of whatever side of the card you're looking at. Uh, I haven't looked at them, and in, in, it's been years. Yeah, I looked. I down. I downloaded pictures of the whole set back in 2012, and I haven't really looked at them okay, since well, then. You see, those gold um, capstones or truncated capstones are there for a reason because they will connect to other cards. You know, to tell a much bigger story. Like you have um, a Bill and a Hillary Clinton card. One's Bill Clinton, one's Hillary Clinton. Okay, yet. They look separate, but when you join them at the capstones, you'll see that Hillary has a dog leash over Bill's throat. Okay. In other words, signifying that she's the real power behind the throne. Well, yeah. Well, I maybe believe that, that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but um, there's but that's just one quick example. You see, gotcha. Not in the original set. The 1982, the first edition. And I'll tell you right now, if you want to try to find an edition like that, good luck to you. Because if you see it like on eBay, you're going to see it upwards to um, three, four hundred dollars, thousand dollars. Oh wow! Oh yeah! And remember, there were seven different sets. Remember, this was a 13-year printing, and it's an interesting thing that the FBI got involved in this because they they were trying to figure out. How could Steve Jackson know that the events of 9-11 would happen the way it is, the way it did? Because there were six or seven specific cards that explained quite thoroughly the events of 9-11. So they confiscated all his, I mean, they just raided his office, took all the computers, the equipment, everything. Yeah. They wanted to know, how did this guy know? See, the only way Steve Jackson could have known was either he was an Illuminist or he was paid off to um, by the Illuminati to make up these cards the way that they were because they are way too accurate um, um, to happen. I mean, the laws of probability of any of these cards being accurate on any particular topic in the depth that they showed is virtually um, astronomical because the events of um, the BP oil spill is was um, 
um, spelled out in the Illuminati cards. The Fukushima Daiichi power plant disaster. I mean, it, it was so thoroughly spelled out. The death of Princess Diana of Wales. Um, um, the events of the Boston Marathon race bombings. There were so many things in these cards that happened exactly as the cards predicted. So what was Robert Anton Wilson's involvement with this? Well, Wilson, I, I honestly can tell you, I wasn't in the Illuminati at the time, and I didn't know of him back then. So I can't tell you his connection, though. Um, I would think that he was just a writer who came across the history of the Illuminati and basically um, created, shall we say, um, a plot line that fit what he thought would be an, a good intrigue to write. Okay. Because his information, now, there's one particular book he wrote. It's called The Illuminoids. Um, basically, it was a general history of the Illuminati. And I have to tell you, he was very accurate. He was very accurate. So I can't help but think that, again, I think he was just a writer who stumbled upon the history of the Illuminati and ran with it and created his own um, intrigues and storylines. But he wasn't necessarily a part of it himself. Well, that's just it. As I said, I wasn't yeah. um, um, in the Illuminati when um, he made his claim to fame, so I can't honestly tell you one way or the other. Right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I would, really wanted to get your thoughts on that because that's something that's come up on our show quite a few times with some other guests. So. Well, as I said, I know um, his one book, The Illuminoids, um, the, um, Illuminoids um, was very accurate. The other book, The Illuminatus, that trilogy of his, yeah. it, it was a good story, you know. It, it, it was boring in certain places, in my opinion, but as a whole, it was okay. But aside from that, that's about it. I wouldn't put any real credence to it. Unlike, you know, if you want to put um, uh, um, Atlas Shrugged, um, originally written by Anne Rand in the 1950s. Yeah. What most people didn't know was Anne Rand was a mistress of Baron Philippe de Rothschild, who was the head of the Illuminati back then, and he was the one who told her he wanted this book written in this fashion about a group um, of um, elitists in the government that was controlling everything. Really? Basically, it was a story about the Illuminati themselves. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I never have heard that before. But there was that connection there. Trust me, I could tell you stories. <laughs> I'm sure you could. And we, we and we really should do another show, like, just about all this kind of stuff. But uh, we are almost out of time, guys. And, and I really uh, want to bring you all in. Let, let's let's tell us about the a little bit more about the, the ministry and then also where you guys can be contacted and what the website is. And also where your like doc where your books and your materials are available. That's a presidential thing. Okay. All right. Well, again, our ministry <laughs> is called Southwest Prophecy Ministries. Our website www.swpm.us, and all of Doc's materials can be found on our website on our bookstore. Uh, so go to www.swpm.us, click on the tab that says Bookstore, 
and you'll see uh, all of Doc's materials. Our featured uh, product for September, by the way, is Doc's latest uh, DVD. And Doc, uh, just give us a brief description of uh, your new uh, film. Well, the new DVD in the Secrets of the Illuminati series is called Illuminati Gods at the Olympic Games. And we're purposely um, releasing that one um, to anyone who sends in a donation of $10 or more because, you see, it costs um, 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 between, you know, putting you know, it all together, you know, the packaging, the desk, the labels, and the shipping and handling, $10. But we're letting it go for $10 to anyone who wishes to give $10 or more to this new ministry that God has instructed us to create. In this um, particular DVD, I'm going to take you back to history in a way you've never seen. Because most of the elements you'll see in the modern-day Olympic Games were never originally part of any of the original uh, Olympic Games to begin with. They only were put into the Olympic Games um, when the 1936 Berlin Games came about, and that was under the auspices of Adolf Hitler. Okay. And you know as well as I do, Adam, yep. Hitler was not only heavy into their cult, he was an Illuminati puppet. And it was through the Third Reich that they put in the vast majority of the elements you see now in the modern day Olympic Games. Right. Yep. That's that's true. And they were all they were all hardcore cultists, all the Nazis were. Absolutely. Well yeah. Oh go ahead and say and so what you're you saying. See, again, just to reiterate to reiterate, folks, I am coming to each of you right now, hat in hand, as David would say. And I'm asking everyone to please send in, if you can, whatever donations you can to this new Ministries of God. Now, if you folks are familiar with my um, website, which is it's a God Thing Productions 777.com, once you get to the front page, you'll um, at the top of the taskbar. If you want, you'll see a donation button, just like you'll see on Southwest. Prophecy Ministries um, website, you'll see a donation button. Just click on that, and um, it's just a step or two, and that's it. And again, you'll um, on Southwest Prophecy Ministry, you will see all the DVDs I produce. Plus, we have a total of 66 different um, products, you know, books, DVDs, and such in the uh, ministry bookstore right now. So um, I would strongly suggest go through it ladies and gentlemen because one of the favorite things I see in it is we have a lot of stuff on evolution you know versus creationism and all this that stuff I eat up you know that's that's my taste gotcha absolutely okay well thank you guys for coming on the show we really appreciate y'all being on and uh, stay on the live for us we're going to close this segment out and we'll be right back on Conspiranormal all right, we're back on Conspiracy Normal, and wow, what a show dynamic there, man! You start out talking about shrooms and demons, and then Flatwoods monsters, <laughs> Flatwoods monsters yeah. to uh, to to that to the Illuminati and prophecy and Obama and right. ISIS. And, and I and I love you know I, he started getting to the juicy stuff at the end. I, I love when he talks about oh, the Illuminati, the cards. Illuminati, the, yeah that. And there's a few interesting. Thing, you know, to me, interesting to me at the end, man, that kind of got me perked up a little bit, you know, when he started talking about 
I, I like when he starts talking the Illuminati stuff. Right, right. Yeah, we, we, we need to have him back on. There's, there's a lot of detail he can go into. I mean, he knows what, he knows his stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. He knows it for sure. We need a more focused show so he can kind of delve into something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel you in, Rob. I mean, this was like, God, this is like episode 23. But like his whole thing is that he was actually born into the Illuminati and he was raised in it. And that at a certain point he was sent in, I think, to like infiltrate a church or something. And then he found God and got away from the Illuminati in like 1979 or something like that. And then, and, and like, I think in like the 80s and stuff, he was on like a bunch of like, talk shows like Oprah Winfrey and stuff like that back in the day what? talking about it yeah yeah I don't remember yeah, him saying I think that. there's like actually footage of him uh, talking about it that's and, awesome yeah so like we I, I'd gone to a prophecy conference with Dr. Future uh, that he was speaking there uh, and Tom Bionic they were also both speaking there and that's uh, where I didn't actually meet Doc Marquis then but uh, I found out about him that I'd never heard of him before and then we got him on the show back, like through like uh, I think Dark Future told me about him, and then I contacted him, and he said, "Yeah." And so he he's kind of impressed that I, at the time that I had a I had a picture of myself sitting on the Freemasonic Grand Master's throne <laughs> from the uh, Scottish Rite Freemasonry Lodge in Washington D.C. <laughs> Rob, I want to get your thoughts on that, man. What you what you heard on that? Uh, well, there's let me let me do a quick bullet points of. Uh... What, okay. what I thought was was great was the um, the full accountability monetarily for anyone involved in any kind of religious organization I think is a wonderful idea right um, the uh, the fact that they're they're not promoting like a you know like we date setting like I think is what you call it like the oh it was according to all these numbers that yeah. I pulled out of the Bible right. January 12th of next year right. is the end and you know all that i think you know they're just kind of like um think of themselves as watchdogs for the end times or whatever yeah, yeah. watchmen on the walls yeah they, they, okay they, that, the that phrase that they would use you, you know I, I appreciate that too because there's a lot of that going on and we we covered that and like doc really had like a big reaction to that like like kill me now yeah well, and, the whole well that's because most most of what you hear is like you know um like hail boppy type stuff <laughs> like yeah Right, exactly. You know, I just want to see Lord Rael again, man. He, <laughs> he, he was my favorite end times guy. Yeah, they were all hopping on the bandwagon back in 2012. Yeah, there was there was the guy that in 2012, like in Arizona, like he wanted to jump off that. Yeah, cliff. he's going to jump off a cliff, and like a portal was going to open right on December 21st, 2012. And he said that the portal was going to he would be saved because the portal would. Uh, the portal would would open and he he'd go straight through it. I don't think he ever got he went through uh, with that though. He, he, it was all. <laughs> I, 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 I think he chickened out. It was all a publicity thing. He he knew from the start he wasn't going to do it. I guarantee it. Right, exactly, exactly. Like there was no, it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna happen. That would have. Can you imagine watching that live feed? Like that'd be awesome. Just a body just like smack on the ground. Either that or a portal does open up <laughs> yeah. and he goes straight through it. Right. Well, like, oh shit. <laughs> if, if you, anyway, sorry, Rob. I kind of interrupt you on that. What did you say? Oh um, where was I? Oh yeah, um, just the, the, so many groups out there. Like most of them that you hear about, it's just so like. 
so out there and here's our theory here's our one track and our one idea and our one like you know and this is when it's going to happen and this is how it's going to go down and this is what everyone needs to do about it and the fact that they're just more of like an open like i feel that things are coming to a boiling point and we need to kind of be on guard or whatever like that that's that's a lot more rational response absolutely and and i and i I can i can definitely respect that for sure for sure uh luke was anything input you want to add we got like a silent guest in here. It's uh, actually the head of the Illuminati in Memphis. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I know, bro. I, I th- no, I, th- I think there, there was something I wanted to say. It's completely unrelated, though. Oh, go ahead. That's how I am. No, I don't remember. It's That's what I'm random, saying. Man. I, don't, I don't remember what it was now. It's about cheese, dude, and like how it's processed. Yeah, like, cheese whip's uh, like seriously underrated, dude. <laughs> some of the best stuff you know dude. it's not made out of real cheap real milk it's casein but like it tastes yeah. the same it's a little salty we got into a little bit of the kim <laughs> davis stuff there uh i think i stepped out just briefly so they were talking about the, the kim davis stuff and i didn't really want to get into all that because that's just such a hot button issue kim, right kim davis is my hero yeah i'm sure she is <laughs> just, the, just kidding the way that i feel about I it is, is that this is the way okay here's the way that i feel about kim davis is that if she had a problem with what she was doing she needed to probably resign her position and i'm going to say that because there was another lady in kentucky as well now granted this lady was older she was probably a little closer to retirement but instead of doing something that was against her religious convictions, she did resign her post. Okay. Uh, another interesting thing about Kim Davis is that she has even made the statement, and you can actually get this. Uh, Dr. Future has written a blog about this just recently, that she inherited her, she says, quote, unquote, inherited her position from her mother. She now, did. This is supposed to be someone that is elected by the people of that county in Kentucky. Uh, She, but apparently it was just kind of just passed on to her. Um, She also makes, I think, like $80,000 a year. Her position sets the salary. Yeah. For the people under her and her mom set the salary for her. Right. (laughs) Yeah. How convenient. In a county... (laughs) Where the median income is something like $3,000 a month. And did you guys see that footage the, the, uh, where she was released out of jail and the, uh, they were playing Eye of the Tiger? Oh, yeah. They got, they're now the band Survivor is going to sue somebody <laughs> over it. Yep. But like, I just thought what I thought was just really hilarious was her like husband, who's actually, I think, her second and her fourth husband, that... She, the guys like got overalls on and like a straw hat. <laughs> I mean, can we be any more just stereotypical of he, Eastern he just, Kentucky? He just, I mean, he just left. Guys. He just left his sister's trailer to get there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for real. And this, uh, this is what I think is going on with the whole Kim Davis thing. She, this, she has signed up to be a part of this activist kind of like activist right-wing Christian group that is actually probably the people that let's this Liberty council or whatever that is supporting her. She has signed up to be like uh, a scapegoat for this, to bring this 
as a challenge to the Supreme Court to challenge the gay marriage ruling. I think that's what's going on. Uh, if you guys are familiar with the Scopes Monkey Trial, which was the big creation evolution debate that happened in Dayton, Tennessee back in the 1920s, uh, John Scopes was a teacher that was jailed for teaching evolution. However, but what he tells you was that he actually volunteered to do it so he could bring it to a national consciousness. Huh. Okay. So it was all a big setup, and he was later fined a dollar for doing it. Mm. Okay. So this is what I think this <laughs> is what's the going 20s, on. It's just the 20s, man. That broke yeah. him. This, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That was like three thousand. That was like three hundred thousand dollars back then. So I think that's what's going on with Kim Davis, and that's that's kind of like my fifty cents about it. I, if she has a problem with <laughs> not a whole gay, dollar, huh? With not a whole dollar. I'm not giving a whole dollar. <laughs> if she has a problem with gay marriage. She should have just resigned. That's my personal opinion. And that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) But if there's nothing to add, we'll call it a night, guys. Uh, Next week, we have Scott Bennett coming on. Uh, We're going to talk about the funding by a bank in Switzerland called UBS that has been money has been funneled from them to terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And he is a huge whistleblower, uh, along with a couple of other guys, that, uh, that to bring this to, to light. After that, I've got uh, Dr. Heiser coming back on. We're going to talk nice. about, about his book, uh, The Unseen Realm. Uh, Scotty Roberts is actually going to sit in with, with us on that one. I think that'll be interesting. And uh, to round out the month, we'll have Peter Robbins on. We're going to talk about the Rinalsham Forest. So we got a lot of great stuff yeah, coming up. Yeah, that's super cool, man. I'm stoked yep. about all that. Yep. It's stoked, it's, dude. Stoked, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yep. right now, something for you to be even more stoked about, we're going to promote, we're going to premiere Luke's new song. Ooh, that's right. Everybody do, do the Ahmed Ahmadinejad. <laughs> Here we go. Join us next week, guys, for Conspiranormal. Everybody do it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.